What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Granny's PhD. Uh, we are at episode 59. 59! In 10 episodes, we're going to be sexual. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done, well done. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us tonight. Whether it's the Facebook live stream, you can join us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or maybe on your own podcast. Um, if you're joining us tonight, we're assuming you watched Moon Knight earlier today, or you're watching it whenever you're catching this, so you can know where we had an excuse to play some Wham! Wham! Besides, whenever we get around to Deadpool, so we might as well run a little bit. Hey, look, this. George Michael is always welcome wherever I am. I love George Michael. George Michael's pretty awesome, man. So why not? So that's what we're rocking with uh, this evening. Uh, Jason, what's going on, man? What, what you been up to this week? Yeah, you know, just been uh, just been chilling, doing some work stuff, uh, catching up on 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 uh, watching stuff here. So I've actually been in. I've been doing this thing where I've been going back and watching the DC cartoons, okay, uh, the cartoon movies, and. Last night, like, I, I just, you know, I put them on, like, because they're an hour and 20 minutes. So, like, I can just put them on, like, before yeah. I sleep. And and I don't really have to pay too close attention. But I watched the weirdest thing I ever watched last night. It was called, um, and, I, and I highly recommend it if, if you like DC and weird DC shit. Uh, it was called uh, Justice League Gods and Monsters. Have you seen this one, Ed? I have unfortunately seen this one. Wow. I actually, look, I did like it. Mm-hmm. But it's bizarre with a capital oh, yeah. B. Like Batman is actually the guy who's uh, man bat in, in the real because this mm -hmm. is like weird Elseworld. This is yeah. like crazy Elseworlds. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like his whole thing is he's actually a vampire bat that feeds off blood. <laughs> yep, that's that's right. <laughs> and Superman is a is actually um. His mother's the same, but his father's Zod, and he's sent to Earth, and mm -hmm. he's picked up by like migrant Mexicans, if I'm not mistaken. And he's raised in Mexico, and, and but but he's like also Zod's kid, and not a very good guy, and and I don't even know what the hell's going on with with Wonder Woman. She's not Diana, and I don't know. Like I couldn't even oh, I didn't I even remember. follow like the divergence of her storyline. <laughs> I've seen it a while ago, so I don't remember it, the Diana part. It was wild. Like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the boys in the DC universe. Like, you know, as a cartoon, because they're hated. Like, the, yeah. the the beginning of it is they come to like a, a bank that's being robbed, and the cops like, no, 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 we got this, we got this. Like, no, no, fuck you, we got it. And they go in there and kill everyone. <laughs> like Batman's drinking their blood. Yeah, it, it's really, really weird, man. It's wild, and like at the end, they do actually uh you know save the day and it's it's kind of the story about how like the the fucked up justice league becomes heroic because they do kind of become heroic at the end and and mm -hmm. clark is like clark and actually this is a cool lex is like um what's his face uh, uh the guy in the wheelchair with the with ms um stephen hawkins he's like stephen yeah. hawkins and he's a super like he's the good guy and he like pretty much works with Clark at the end and tells him, yeah, your dad was Zod. He was a crazy man. 
he destroyed your planet. I just thought it was best you thought he was a hero because even when you thought he was a hero, you were messed up. And <laughs> like, it, but it kind of pushes Superman to be better. And at the end, he's like, guys, we're going to save people and not kill anyone. We're actually going to be good guys. And I don't know. I It was weird. And it was not what I expected, but it was fun. I like I would I would okay. say watch it if you like if you like weird weird stuff. Like if you don't like weird stuff, if you need your Batman to be no powered and you need your Superman to not be Zod's son, don't watch this. <laughs> but but if you want to watch something weird, put it on. It's hour and twenty minutes. Uh, there there's a there are worse things to do in an hour and twenty minutes of your life. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I watched it when it first came out, and that was a couple of years ago, so I can't really. I don't remember some parts of it, but I remember disliking it. But I don't know. Maybe I'll have another appreciation for it, though. Um, yeah, it yeah. I think I think it depends on what you're looking for. Like if you go, like I went in, look, like I read the description. I went, oh, this is weird, and that's why mm -hmm. I picked it. Like I kind of because, like I, I, to be honest, I, I wanted to, I wanted to play. I've been playing Breath of Fire, uh, Breath of the Wild on my Switch, uh, uh, handheld, and I wanted something that I wasn't necessarily going to pay 100% attention to, but I kind of dipped in and out while I was playing. Yeah. And so that, that like, so all of the cool Batman stuff is out. Cause if I like put on hush, I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, but for what it was and I, like, I knew what I was getting into going in. I, I it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Did you end up watching Batman Ninja? Not yet, but almost, that's almost what I did last night. Okay. I almost did it because that's one that, I'm pretty sure I can dip in and out of like, cause I've, I've heard mixed things and I'm not a huge anime guy. So, but the next time I probably the next time, like I need something to play a video game while I'm watching, that's going to be it. All right. So I'm curious to hear, we'll, we'll talk about that one after you watch it. Cause I'm really curious to see how that, that one shakes out for you. I am too. Cause I know uh, my, my brother-in-law kind of liked it, uh, but you hated it and I'm a Batman purist. So it's gotta be like, I, I was okay with this Batman for one reason in, in this movie. I just watched cause it wasn't Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne isn't Batman Ninja. Yeah. Then that's the thing. Like I'm a Batman, like I'm a Bruce Wayne Batman purist. Okay. You, you put anyone in the bat suit you want. I'm not going to like it, but you know, have at it. But like, if, if Bruce Wayne's in the driver's seat, man, I got specific things I want out of that. That's fair, that's fair enough, though. Uh, let's get to some quick comments here before we get the show rolling. Uh, our boss, uh, Faraji, here. What's up? Captain Faraji. Thanks for joining us, sir. Uh, and we got Alex, our good friend. Ow. We haven't heard from Alex in a little while. But... I know. I, I, Al's been busy. I, him and I even haven't. Uh, we've been texting here and there, but we haven't really talked much. Okay, so he's dropping in a little quick note. He won't be able to stick around. Uh, we felt Joker's incredible movie. Didn't think it deserves a sequel uh, since it's a new DC universe and just an origin story. Uh, but this film was amazing and shows how misunderstood people can be. All right. Well, thanks for dropping us a comment. Um, we will get to our comments regarding Joker at the end of the uh, show because that's our movie of the week. We'll be getting to the week in CW. Uh, we will be talking about the series uh, premiere of Moon Knight which dropped earlier today on Disney Plus, and we'll be dropping that spoiler warning on you when that time comes. Uh, and then we'll be getting a Joker movie I'm really, really excited to talk about. because Me too. Man, it's, it, it, is, it is something special, man. It, it definitely it's an is. It's an intense movie. And I'm going to be honest with you, I would feel the same way about this movie. If you cut all the Batman stuff out, 
renamed Gotham City New York of the 1970s and made this the story of Arthur Fleck, the guy who has a breakdown and becomes a killer clown, I would like it just as much. Like, my 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 feelings for it have nothing to do with the Batman franchise, and that's important because you know that how colored my Batman franchise lens is. No, absolutely. I mean, we, we went through it. If you, if you haven't heard our thoughts yeah. on the Batman franchise, I mean, we are... This is the last of the Batman that, movies we'll be covering. I mean, we've literally covered... Everything at this point. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Like like when Gary Oldman in The Professional, it's the second time I get to use this one. When Gary Oldman The Professional said, bring me everyone, the equivalent of that, of us watching Batman movies is what we did because we watched everything. (laughs) We really did, man. We did. This is is, interesting. We've spent a lot of time with Batman on this show in the first 59 episodes of it. (laughs) So, uh, all right, well, let's get to some other DC characters that we, as we normally do during the week as we go for our tour of the CW-verse, and we'll be kicking things off with Flash Season 8, Episode 8, which uh, was from last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So, Jason, what do you got? I, I really like this episode, and, you know, I texted you about it. I was like, I... It gave it like we talked last week. We really liked the episode, but we were saying we don't know we don't know where it's going for the season arc. I still mm-hmm. don't know where it was going for the season arc. Wasn't thinking about that this episode because this was a really well written emotional like not emotional but an episode that kind of hit in the emotion. So it's Barry's. It's it's like the anniversary of the of of the flat of Flash's dad's birthday, right? The anniversary yeah. Flash's dad's birthday, yeah. and um, he is affected by that. Like he is having. The kind of day one has when your father who passed away is, you know, uh, having uh, having a, a you know a birthday or something like that, okay. and it, it it clouds everything he does, and I love that, and we get to see the fire guy, which I believe he was from the DeVoe season, right? Oh, uh... Or was he from the uh, was he from like the 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 season the season after with the. With I forget his name, the Mantis or or, or uh, Locust or whatever his name was. Yeah, I can't remember what Cicada, season he Cicada. was from. Oh, Cicada, right? Um, I can't remember what season he was from, but I remember him. Yeah, I but he plays where. But he's like, it's not. He's not someone who was in last season. Like he's someone we haven't no, seen no. for a while. Yeah. And his whole thing, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's 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 either the Devoe or the Cicada season. Uh, that he's in because I remember that episode because I did like that episode. Um, but this is so he's a metahuman with these uh powers of flames and he's gone legit and he's doing a job and he's got a son, he's really trying to put his life together. Um, and like he his son is like a teenager and it's like he's disgusted with them because he was in prison for a while, <laughs> you know, and now he's on parole mm-hmm. and he like he, he works security for like this uh arena, like, like like in a, a Madison Square Garden type thing and he can't but he like pro- over promises and the kids pissed off at him and he is pretty much being framed for murdering a bunch of people with his powers. Yeah. And I think it was interesting that we that they are setting something up that's going to last more than the one episode so far. Yeah, no, I, I they there's there's they're they're planting seeds. I just don't know where it's, what it's going to grow yeah. into. No agree. Yeah. Um, but I, but I really liked him. Like I, I liked, and the whole thing is, is that he has a moment where he gets arrested, where he goes, please, someone believe me. I 
didn't do anything. I didn't do this. I'm just trying to be a good dad. And flashes, no pun intended, because you know if I meant this pun, I'd say I meant it. No, of he course. Fl- he flashes back to his father's arrest. Yeah. And his father, and you see Jay Garrett uh, being pulled out, like, and saying the same thing. And he's pretty much like, my instinct tells me that there's something else here. Um, and he winds up going through, uh, and he, he, you know, through his uh, investigation, through the whole episode, um, he is cleared, which I really like. Um Let's see. He didn't kill the people. Um, and but it like and the person who killed him is like a meta serial killer, right? And I question mark. That's what I have question mark. Yeah, because we don't really know by the end of the episode. Yeah, but it, it kind of like I, I I think I drew I drew that conclusion because um, they kind of said, "Wow, this this pattern." I think they make an allusion to it, but the thing is, like the pattern that we see the the murders happening in is very serial killer like. So I kind of think like hopefully where we're going is we're going to get like a meta serial killer. That would be really interesting to watch. Well, that's what I'm thinking too. I think we're going to get something that looks like it's going to play out for the more than the one episode. Mm-hmm. And it will be kind of like a, maybe a little bit of a murder mystery that will, that will get for maybe. And it's cool to see Barry actually doing CSI type things more for once. Cause we don't get a lot of that on the show. We don't, and and I think that was the cool thing about the first two seasons was you did get a lot of that in the first yeah. couple seasons, and you know it gets lost, and you can't blame the show. I mean, the action goes elsewhere, but it's nice to see him uh, back doing CSI work because, uh, you know, that's a big part of how he clears this guy, right? Like he's he's working the case in both ways. I also like that, like so. Um, Birch, his name is the fire guy. He inadvertently mm-hmm. opens up like a lava channel under the city. But like he saves the day, so like at the end he's celebrated, which is nice. Like, and this kind of like, you know, I've done a lot of research into, and, and well, I guess we'll talk more about this when we get to Joker. But trauma and how one overcomes trauma and how the brain processes it, and um, you know, the way the brain tries to overcome and process trauma is it looks for similar situations that you can have control over and try to fix that situation and if you do it gives you sort of some closure and the flash gets that barry gets that because he's able to save this guy and reunite him with his son in a way and he even says it i'm doing this because no one did this for my dad yeah because the whole team is against like they're not buying it (laughs) yeah no they they challenge him on it even after it's like i would have been like guys i'm sorry Whose name's on the fucking marquee of the show? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, overall, great, great uh, episode. I got just two small things I wanted to notice. Joe is one of the best dads in the world. Yeah, he is. When he's he sees awesome. when he sees Barry and Barry's upset, he's like, I know what day it is, just come here. Like, oh Joe, can you be my dad? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what you need. It, you know, he, he was doing what Joe West does, and that's like be a kick-ass dad. Right, right. He's seriously one of my favorite dad in comic books, and I like he's in the comic, right? Like yeah. I just know him from this. But no, he is. Um, I, I, and again, you know how much I love this actor. I almost cried when I thought he was leaving the show. Yeah. Um, and then I thought of you because there was a there was a, a line that was an allusion to RoboCop. Yes, there was. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I was so happy when I heard that. It was, it was, I was way too happy, put it that way, to have heard that line. Yeah. <laughs> I um, was like, yeah. But, but yeah, what, what, what I missed. Said, though, about, no, 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 nothing missed. 
it's interesting. I just wanted to follow up what you said mentioning about like the brain processing, the trauma stuff, because we saw that in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yep. With Andrew Garfield's Peter number three mm-hmm. saving MJ. And that's kind of you could tell the relief on his face. And the whole crowd was along with it. That was the one that like everyone predicted and came true. Yeah. And that was a way like you were describing, going through a way of exactly fixing the situation that was traumatic in the past. So yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's evident in Andrew Garfield's version of Spider-Man in that movie. Like yeah. he is his character is redeemed in his own mind after that because he's beating the shit out of himself. Like, and we joked about it. Like, yeah, yeah, he's just, he's thinking what we all thought when he saw his movies, but like the character's beating the shit out of himself because he failed to save his, his love, you know, his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And so after he saves MJ, he's kind of more confident and in more with the Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, And and so, yeah. And I, and I think it's, and, and I truly think it's interesting because I've always, I always say that comic books and comic book properties um, our reflection of uh, our time and where we are in the world when it's written. Uh, and I think that that was shown in Iron Man, the comic book, which, you know, his origin is in Vietnam because we were in the Vietnam War. And then in 2000s in the movie, it was the uh, Middle East because we were in the, the forever uh, war for oil. Um, and, you know, now we kind of see the comic book properties kind of taking on trauma and, and dealing with how one sort of processes and deals with trauma. And I think it's especially because of the pandemic, it's because we are all as a society have experienced collective trauma. So I think that's kind of why we're seeing it more in this comic book world, because I think that the, these stories are how we as a society get to process what we're going through as a society. So I just think it's super interesting to point out and the flash really nailed it in this. Yeah, no, it was, it, that's, that's well said. I mean, there's a lot of parallels to that can be made there with, you know, all the stuff that we're watching these days. And you're right. And and the world we're in right now, too. For sure. So, all right. Uh, then that brings us to uh, Superman and Lois, uh, Season 2, Episode 9. Um, so, an episode where we don't get a lot of Superman at all, but I was absolutely fine with it. I was yep. okay with it because it made sense of why it happened. And it gave the supporting characters, Lois and the supporting characters, because the show is titled Superman and Lois. So, you know, she is a, she's one of the ones on the marquee. Um, but, yeah, she gets a lot to do here. Uh, but because Superman, in the beginning of the episode, pretty much hears that Allie is going to the inverse Bizarro world, uh, you know, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So goes ahead and follows her there and is told, uh, by the way, one of the uh one of Ali's cronies is just kind of like, you can't go in there, not dressed like <laughs> yes. that. And he just gave her this look like right. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> because she says, not even you could do that. And his yeah. look is like, no, no, there's nothing not even I could do. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, please, I'm Superman. What are you not? And then he does it. He goes through without any kind of gear or anything like that or whatever the hell it is. But we don't see him for the rest of the episode. He yeah. is gone. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you something. I've, I've, you know, I have come down on every single one of these CW shows with a main character when we get, like, two weeks ago when we got the Flashless Flash. And I was like, the Flash wasn't on because he wasn't that fucking episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had Supergirl episodes where she, when she was stuck in the Phantom Zone where it's like, 
I thought the name of this was Supergirl. Why the hell aren't we seeing any Supergirl? But I'm with you. This worked. And and the reason it worked is because the characters that aren't Superman are super interesting. Like no, was the, that the, fun? Was that no, fun? no, no, no pun intended. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you when I I'll, I'll nail that pun home. But um it, but like I actually do care what happens at the town. I actually did care. I knew Lana was gonna win the mayorship, but yeah. I actually do care what happens with her and her family. I like the family. I care what happens to the boys. I loved getting to see uh, Jonathan kind of come into his own and right Jonathan's the one with the powers right I always forget Jordan 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 comes into his own uh, in the episode and I love and this is such a cool teenage moment where they're like hey did did Steel see you nah it's fine I got a hood on it was fine it's like no he fucking saw you you're getting you're getting reamed by Lois five minutes later but like that's the thing is I didn't miss Clark in this I want to know what's going on I hope like in, in Bizarro World I want to see it but this, the episode didn't suffer quality-wise because he was not in it. No, I thought it was a very strong episode, and I think the, the key with this versus the other shows is that the storylines kept going. Yeah. They didn't stop for some random offshoot story, like hour-long tale that had nothing to do with it. Let, let's get into it. Like you mentioned, Lana gets elected as mayor, but she's also dealing with like family stuff, like her husband is dealing with like you know being on his own and he has this apartment where there's nothing in it he gets visited by his daughter because his daughter needs help sarah needs help because jonathan i mean jordan's being diff- uh, distant you know he's constantly yeah. disappearing and stuff but we also see we'll get to jordan in a second but we see what he's doing he's training with his father and he can't tell sarah that because clark told him not to like you mm-hmm. can't do that crap like you know he asked him you know, a while ago, yeah. and he just shut it down. And he wants to tell her. You there's, a, there's there's a moment, you know, because like spoilers, obviously, but she breaks up with him by the end of the episode, mm-hmm. and he wants to tell her, and he knows that the only way he can save this relationship, and he and this this is first girlfriend. I mean, yeah, don't. There's no way you can tell me. No one. There's no one in the world who has any feelings who wasn't truly affected by their first breakup. Get out of here, of right? And he's destroyed by it. He's destroyed by it. And he knows that all he has to do is tell her the truth, but he can't because he trusts his dad. And his dad knows what he's talking about. And it's a great moment. I'll tell you why else he's not telling him because he saw his dad ream Jonathan last episode. <laughs> he's like, yeah. Fuck this. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going messing with him. I'll do whatever the hell he says. Yeah. He's like, shit. Jonathan, I don't even know if he loves Jonathan anymore. I, I can't lose my dad's love. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, come on. We're like, you know, supers over here. We can't, we can't do that, man. Um, so, yeah. So then jo- uh, Jordan is going ahead and he trains with uh, his grandfather. And, you know, he's doing all the stuff. He's getting the ice breath going and the heat vision and fighting and all of that. And it comes into play because we find out, though, that after Superman goes into the Bizarro world, that he's gone for one month. Yeah. So there is a gap that's left. And I think what's really cool is that you got Jordan like training and it wasn't said. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention it during Flash. There was one level up in that oh, episode I, of the Flash last wow, week. Wow. You know what? Him. I liked that episode so much. I didn't even disgustedly clock the level up. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, one. Totally unnecessary. But Jordan doesn't say the word level up. He just trains with his grandfather. <laughs> And levels up, which is what your normal people do yes. when they level up. Because we've yes, all when, leveled up, but we know when, why. We don't mention it. 
when you get better at something, you don't go, I've leveled up. You simply demonstrate it. Exactly. As Jordan does here. <laughs> right. But like, I thought what was really cool, though, is that we, we during the month that he's gone, right? You know, this Lois is talking about how Clark's been gone for a while and you see the, the family dealing with it and stuff. He'll come back. He'll come back. But then John Henry Irons is suiting up his steel and he's yeah. saving a plane from crashing and all this other shit. And I was getting a lot of Death of Superman vibes going on here. Like, like kind of like we had the Superboy and we got Steel oh, and everything. Yeah. I that was kind of cool. That yeah. was cool. I didn't even catch that, but you're right. That was super cool. There it is. <laughs> that pun was meant. Uh, but no, no, that that was awesome. Like, you know what it is? I I like their characterization of John Henry so much that I don't think of him as steel, like from the comic. I just kind of yeah. think of him as his own thing in this. And so I, that's why I didn't even clock. But yeah, you're right. You got steel and the Eradicator running. No, not Eradicator. Superboy running around. Like, yeah. I wonder I wonder if they're going to give us like, like if he's going to be absent for a while, if they're going to give us like an Eradicator type, like an evil Superman or something. Like I don't know. I mean, it'd be kind of cool. I was, I was explaining it to Angie while we were watching the episode earlier. Uh, about that whole thing, and once again, imploring her to watch the animated film Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman because she would have seen what I was talking about. Um, so we we get a lot of that though. But John Henry Irons is also with his daughter because they're also dealing with the trauma because it's the it's the anniversary of when their Lois on their world yeah. was died, and she tries to remind like use the. Uh, was it the waffles recipe? The waffles, yeah. And she doesn't and he doesn't it. he doesn't notice. He's like, oh no, no, don't make that. We'll get we'll eat out. And yeah. he he realizes like we as the audience don't know that. But when he makes the realization later, like oh, waffles, you know. And yeah. I like I'm making a joke about it, but like he's really that actor's really intense. I hope he he does other things. I hope he goes far because I really like that mm-hmm. guy. Um, and he, and he kind of recounts like, oh my god, this is that day, like. You know, that's kind of heartbreaking. And they have that conversation where she's like, and I, I I was on John Henry's side until this conversation. John Henry's like, look, I love your mother. I, 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 I'll I never forget her, but I can't obsess about it. I have to move on. Yeah. And when she says, you and I are the only two people left in the world who remember who she is. We cannot forget her. And it's like, oh, that's right. Like, shit. Like, I know they're they're wrestling with some real big emotional psychological stuff in in like the John Henry and his daughter stuff. And I I'm here for it. I really like it. Yeah, no, they, they really they really are. And that was that was a great point brought up by her, by his daughter. And there was an also an interesting moment where she's talking to Sarah, and Sarah's like, "Oh, you know, like show me a picture of your mother and stuff like that. And obviously it's like, no, I can't yeah. because yeah. it's a Lois Lane Doppelganger. Yeah. I am not trying to answer those questions and get that whole thing. So I thought that was a pretty clever scene. Um, but he also tells her that, hey, I've been filling in for Superman and that's why this kind of happened. It's not because I'm trying to forget her necessarily. It's He's admitting that there's, I mean, he's literally saving the world at the moment. Yeah. Um, he and he crossed paths with Jordan as well, because um, Lana's husband gets into as a firefighter on the show. If you haven't seen it, he's fighting a fire that has like this weird tornado thing, and they find XK there. Yeah, and 
Jordan shows up with his hood, kind of like um, Stephen Amell Arrow style, like Oliver Queen. Like, <laughs> yeah. But he jumped, goes in there, badass. And he does. He saves the day though, because he and he tells his Lois later on, because uh, she's like, "Oh, let John Henry handle that shit." He goes, "Listen, I got there before." Yeah, he said John Henry was late. If I left it to John Henry, he'd be dead. Exactly, he's one hundred percent right. He is. And Jordan like really like takes over a lot in this episode. I thought it was really cool to see that. Yeah, I I liked when he asserted himself when Lois was like, uh, "I forbid it." He's like, "I'm the one with the superpowers." Like, and you know, this is look. What is this? This is an allegory for your your teenage sons growing up and becoming get coming into their own. You know, mm-hmm. both Jonathan and Jordan are doing this in different ways, but I think this this is like the superhero equivalent. Like, mom, I know you want to protect me. But I protect now. I've I'm the adult. I'm stronger than you. I can do the things you can. And isn't that what becoming an adult is? Like when you're a teenager with, you know, good functional parents, uh, that you you know you you need to sort of stake your claim as an individual. And he does that there, and it comes back, and she actually does give him the approval when they kind of take him around to be like the ears to listen for yeah. like the XK and and I said they it's Lois and her dad. And when they find it and Lois and her dad get like abducted and she's like, Oh God, I don't want to do this, but uh, all right, Jordan. Yes. You can use your powers. Come and get us. Please save, <laughs> please save our asses. <laughs> yeah. And She has a great, Lois has a great moment with her father too. When they're like, he's trying to get out of the hand, the tie yes. that they're tied in. And she breaks it down to all these different knots that are there. And he's, she's like, Listen, I've been tied up like a bunch of times. He goes, "How many times have you been tied up? More than you want to know." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lois has moment. been through some shit. I mean, this Lois Lane has seen her, her fair share of, of crazy shit. So, I thought that was a really cool moment. But they're pretty much Jordan's jumping in and saving them from like this whole crazy drug bust. Yeah, because they end up finding out this information because Jordan. I mean, they ask Jonathan, "Who's the supplier? What information you have?" We'll do that. You know. For, for their protection and stuff, and he goes ahead and goes with cooperation and gives up the girlfriend and stuff, but, and he, she gives but up in a very, a very, very respectable way. way. I Absolutely. really like that because he's like, "All right, you got to promise. You guys have to promise me." And this is his mother and his grandfather promising him, so he's going to believe it. And mm-hmm. they promise him, and he goes, "Okay, I need to make sure they're okay. I'll yeah. come back." And then he talks to her and ma- and convinces her. Like he does this, and that's why I'm saying, like he also comes into his own in this episode because he's a guy. Like it's funny because in the beginning Jordan was like the misfit and, and he was the jock, and now it's reversed, yeah. and you get to see the former jock getting to use diplomacy and and reason and logic, and you know he does broker a really good on like deal between everyone where. His girlfriend is not on the hook for selling the XK. He gets the information. They get the information they need to try to stop it. Like it's again, like he doesn't get the attention that, that Jordan does. Cause Jordan's the super powered one. Like I think from the audience, Yeah. but there's also some really great character stuff going on on his side of the story. Yeah. And especially at the ending though, cause the ending happens where he starts getting these headaches when he's talking to his girlfriend, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. much like Clark was getting in the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what happens when your doppelganger shows up in the bizarre world and right up to the Kent farm and Lois sees immediately. 
That's not our. That's not our Jonathan. Mm -hmm. And then you find out hey, he looks like he's dressed like Superboy. Like yes, he is. Jacket, yep. I'm assuming on his world he's he's the super powered one, which would be the opposite because I'm maybe we find out that you know on that planet Jordan didn't get the powers. Right. Which so. uh, which I think I think we are going to find that out, and I think there's going to be a cool exploration of you know the their relationship through the the bizarro doppelgangers yeah so i i know that you you watch these shows on uh the cw app yes and i usually i mostly catch them on uh my dvr so i get to see the clips for next week like the preview for next week it looks like the next the next episode pretty sure it completely takes place in the bizarro world where nice. superman is living in the bizarro world so we get to learn more about That's that whole situation to be honest, that's kind of what I expected because mm -hmm. usually when a show as well-written and well-paced as this gives you a one-sided episode, they give you the other side after. And we'll talk about that later when we get to... So I have some thoughts about Moon Knight when we get to it because yeah. we got a, a from a certain perspective with that too. So, you yeah, know, you're right, though. That's usually how it goes. So we'll probably see some bizarre world. Unfortunately, the other thing I saw with the trailer is... It's not on until the end of April. I know. I did see that, too, because I actually did watch this one on my DVR, oh, so I okay. saw that trailer. It's it's very rare I do that, but my wife has been out of town, and the only way I was going to be able to watch all of this is if I got to one of those shows last night. I was going to watch Naomi last night, but I realized I never recorded it on my DVR, so I fixed that. But, yeah, yeah, So I but I watched it, but... Um, but yeah, when I saw that, like in April, like at the end of April, I'm like, no, come on, man. At least give me the bizarre episode, then go on break. Don't, don't go on break and then, like, no. Yeah, it's, I, I was a bit bummed out by that. Since we're, so it's about three or three or four weeks in a row. We're not going to have Superman or Naomi because they're both together. Yeah, Naomi I can live without, but, but like <laughs> Superman and Lois, like again, like they left it on such a cliffhanger. It's like. I've been dying to know what the and they they knew what they were doing because they showed almost they showed almost nothing of the Bizarro world. They've showed yeah. you bare minimum just to get you teased, and so they know that's what everyone wants to see. And it's like I just want to see what that is like. Come on, because it's not a multiverse. That's the thing. Right. It's not a multiverse. It's something completely different. Like these characters actually talk backward. Like it is the rules of everything are different there. And I really want to know what this show is going to do with it because I like what this show does has done with everything so far. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait for that episode. I really, that looks pretty awesome to me. So unfortunately I'll have to wait a few weeks. Um, yeah. All right. So let's get to our last CW show of the week. Uh, Naomi season one, episode nine. Um, an episode that focuses on kind of like an investigation of a theft. That goes yeah. on through most of it, and we get these clips and cuts of, like, we find out what is a police investigation to everyone who's at the party, because this episode picks up immediately after episode eight ends, where it is the McDuffie's anniversary party that's there that Naomi's throwing for them. Did you catch the Bond reference that was in this? No, I don't think I did. So, um, Annabelle's boyfriend, whose name always escapes me, He's, he's on a computer. Well, yeah, the Scooby gang is doing what Scooby gang does. And he's on a computer and looking at stuff up. And he goes, oh, I feel like James Bond. And she calls him out. And oh, like, yes. I did catch that. Yes. Yeah. She's like, no, you mean Q, the real hero. Yeah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> that was for so, us. 
So does that mean that you are the real host of of Double O Deep Dive? <laughs> Since through, you some, are through some twisted view of things, perhaps <laughs> maybe in a bizarre world. <laughs> but no. <laughs> um, I, I thought a lot of the funny thing, one funny gag that was going throughout this episode is D's suit. Because like Zimbabwe shows up to get him, is like, listen, we got to yeah. go find out what the hell's going on because. These guys don't get their shit together because they find out that Commander Steel is, you know, looking into shit and stuff like that. And they're wondering what this guy doesn't know. So they're like, we got to go to the party and find out. The the whole dynamic that's changed with D and Zimbabwe, I am all about it. I am. It's my favorite I, thing on the show. Like, I my problem with this episode is there's not enough of it. Like, I, I, I could watch yeah. a show just of these two guys who obviously hate each other. Uh, but have a common goal being forced to work together. Like, I love it. I mean, and I do like, I said, I said last week how much I like the guy who, does, who is Zimbabwe. I think that actor, I've always said that actor is good, um, but I'm really starting to appreciate the actor and the character of D because he, he's real fun in this episode and we haven't seen him fun before, you know, like, cause no. Zimbabwe like, we're going to crash this party and I'll let you fill in the gaps, but Zabata's gonna see who says we're gonna crash this party, and but you gotta you know dress appropriately. The only thing that's not black, and he shows up in like a black on black on black ensemble with a, a jacket and a vest, and one by one loses him throughout the night until he's just back in the black shirt. Yeah, and, and the thing is, what I thought was funny about that is that number one, he says that, and D very seriously goes, he plays like the, the straight man, like straight face guy is like. It's charcoal. Yeah, and that's right. Like, that he good. does it, and then he turns, and then he gives him a black suit. And I'm wondering if that's like D's suit because he's complaining about how tight the suit is throughout the episode. He keeps getting layers off, it's, and it, even someone goes and's like, "Oh, D, that suit is tight or whatever." Yeah, he's no, like, so I it know. says that D's d- no. At first, no, tight. It was tight. It was tight. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, I know. Like, it really is quite fitting." Yeah, and then someone else says, "Like, it's dope or something," and he's like, "What does that mean?" Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought that was really funny. And then, yeah, you're right. He's losing the suit throughout it. I thought that was funny. And then they're playing this whole thing where they're like, it's almost like Clue or something, where they're like, hey, we're going to do a murder mystery thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the whole thing is like they the, they find out that someone at the party is an alien that they didn't know about. And so part of it is them trying to figure out who the alien is. But the other part of it is this these interviews that take place after the fact. Yeah. I, I thought that was a very weird way to go about it. I did too, because it really then like they're trying to figure out who the alien is. And then there's a point where they go, maybe it's Lourdes. And I'm like, no, it's not. I saw her talk in the beginning. Maybe it's the boyfriend. No, it's not. I saw him talk in the beginning. Like yeah, I know. Who I, the, I, 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 like, I called half of the alien twist. Okay. I, I thought it was, I thought it was one or the other. Yeah, and and we we get that, and then he's like, they give him his butler thing, and they're like, hey, you know, you could be the butler. We're gonna do yes. a murder mystery, and he has a D has a great response where he's like, why is murder fun? And was, I was yeah, I, I thought it was funny. He had me laughing the whole episode. Him and him and Zimbabwe, man, I they need to be in it more. Like they, uh, you know, make Naomi a bit flawed. Kill like half of the Scooby, Scooby Squad. Make the other half. Well, get rid of them. Don't kill them. Kill them. Just, I, I mean, just get rid of them. Just like get them out of. Like we don't need them. Just write them out. That's all. Yeah, write them out, and then like really punch up the half that you keep, and to be really interesting, not annoying characters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then put more focus on Zumbadu and um and D and like that because there's stuff in this show that I do like and all of that stuff that I mentioned like if you if you did that I think it would be more cohesive and and be a bit more interesting to watch. Yeah, so the the big thing though is that yeah, they're trying to find out who the alien is at the party and who stole the disc and they think it's one and the same and that's what they're trying to do so they find out that three members of the Scooby gang it was Lourdes, uh, her boyfriend Nathan, and the, the forgettable one. Guy. Yeah, yeah, the forgettable yeah. one who really doesn't do anything. The guy um, who, the guy who I'm always mistaking for the the guy who's the Lord of the Rings head, who now knows who's in on the the the, the conspiracy because they they literally could be the same goddamn character. They easily could be, but they write so they write forgettable guy off in two seconds because they know it wasn't him, and it goes down to Lourdes. And it goes out to Nathan, and then we find out Nathan was, like, sneaking around because he was trying to do this, like, romantic asking Naomi to the prom. So we see that unfold, mm. and which, then Lourdes is not it, which I thought was cool. Real thing. Look, promposals are a real thing. I work in a high school. I've seen a bunch of ridiculous promposals. I'm like, guys, just fucking ask the question. Like, don't spend all that money. Save your money for the prom. But anyway... Uh, save it for the hotel after. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, but no, but like, but so like that actually did ring true. Like something like a prom pose, like that's something I think a teenager would do. So I'm, I'm going to say good job on that, that, because I do, I ream this show a lot. Yeah, no, I think that was more like the proper way that you've seen that unfold. <laughs> yeah. And, and how that happens. Um, but then the big reveal is at the end, Commander Steel knows that Naomi is an alien or suspects it goes into her school tracks her down there and then they they try to like misguide you a little bit of not knowing what happened because we find out he's dead yes. and then we find out that it looks like naomi may have done it for a second then we find out that her parents did it and they are Which, aliens yeah so i knew that one of her parents were aliens okay i was surprised that they were responsible for what happened to him yeah that i didn't see coming i'll admit that what I thought was going to happen, I thought that they were trying to fake us out to make us think Naomi was doing it. But he had that, because they set this up. The, they, he had that that thing that if you turn on around aliens, it drives them crazy and, and messes mm -hmm. them up. And he was about to use it on her. And what I thought was he was the alien and he didn't realize, like he was a sleeper cell or something. Yeah. And I thought he had turned it on. That's what was happening. But then you pan out and you, and you get this kind of, I don't know, partially comical shot of the parents with these blue crystals going. Uh, so, yeah. Like that. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, like... So that's fine. I mean, whatever. That's the big reveal at the end of this episode. And you're like, all right. Yeah. We'll go on. Not 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 the worst episode in the world. Not the best one either. It was fine. It was I was entertained. I'll admit that. It's it's fine. My you know, here's I was entertained too. I have some questions. I'm curious, like, but now, like, are her parents aliens or aliens from an alternate dimension? Because that is something. Like, Naomi's an alien from an alternate dimension. So is... Mm -hmm. But D is an alien not from an alternate dimension, but Zumbato is. Like, it's confusing, like, because they well, say... Zumbato's from the same... The same dimension is... That, that Naomi's from. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. But and, and I'm not sure... Is D as well? I don't believe so, no. So my okay. recollection is not. But so like so that's the thing is like you've got because he said before I've been off world so you've got genuine aliens from this part of the part of the multiverse 
And then you have aliens that have come from another multiverse, which is Naomi and Zumbaru. And I'm pretty sure we're going to find out, like, her parents. I wouldn't be surprised if her parents are actually her fucking parents. Yeah, that might be the big twist. Yeah. That, that, that's thrown in there. Yeah. Um, but, I, and I, but I think that that's, that's a problem for me is, like, they set this question up, which is cool, but because this their whole like ethos is so convoluted at times. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't even know what to expect. So that's fair. Yeah. But, but, uh, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully again, course correct in the second season, we've seen it happen. That woman went from being garbage to really good garbage for two, se- two and a half seasons. And then they kind of picked, picked up the steam and they, they've gotten better as it's gone on. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I would say that full, I would say from start to finish that third season was solid. No, it was. I had no yeah, issues with the yeah. third season whatsoever. Uh, but another show we'll have to wait a few weeks for to get back to, and uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But big reveal for, for this week, though, is a show that dropped on Disney Plus earlier today, Moon Knight, Episode 1. Uh, we're going to have dropped on a spoiler warning since it did drop today. So if you have not seen Episode 1 of Moon Knight, thank you for checking us out right now, but come back and catch us. Once you see the episode, go back and rewatch it. Watch it. Watch it five times. Watch it twenty right. times. Six times. Twenty. Three thousand. But yeah. but if you don't stop it now and you've or you haven't seen it, then you know I'm going to tell you something that Moon Knight is really. Oh, oh you like that? I censored myself. That was done. I do. <laughs> All right. So everyone's got their spoiler warning. So let's get into it. All right, Jason. I know you had some thoughts on this on the show. What what are your overall thoughts on the first episode? All right, so I like it. I'm into it. It's weird, man. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Um, I I have some small problems with this episode, but it's really it's it, they're all really small. Um, but I think overall, like Oscar Isaac is really good. I yeah, think Oscar is. Isaac is like phenomenal, like because he's all those voices in his head, right? That's all no, him. he's he's not the Kanchu voice. Okay, the, but but the he's Mark. Is, yeah, he's Mark, and he's uh, Stephen Grant. Okay, so yeah, but the, yeah, the Kanchu voice, which kind of felt like did that feel like Venom to you a bit? Uh it did not. Only because I really, I kind of knew what was the deal. I was kind of waiting for okay. something like that to go down, but. The way that Oscar Isaac is able to flip between the Stephen Grant great. English voice to the Mark Spector like American voice, like well, yeah. Oscar Isaac pretty much. Um, that's that's really well done. He's he's phenomenal. Like like just regardless of if I liked this episode or didn't, I did. But regardless, Oscar Isaac is just great to watch in this. And there are some fantastic moments of him coming in and out of consciousness, <laughs> like. <laughs> And I was surprised. Like he's he's like you know he comes out. And he's like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? And then he like he does this thing and he does this thing with his eyes. Like you know they go back in his yeah. hand and then back and he's like he's got a gun. Everyone's dead. And it's like I really and his reaction is so genuine and so good. So I think like Oscar Isaac's fantastic. I thought this was um a really compelling first episode that I had minor problems with, but. Will I will probably forget as we go along because I can see even though I'm kind of not 100% sold yet, mm-hmm. I can see that by the end me being like so like really deep into it. All right, so I was yeah. Listen, I was all in on the episode. I I kind of 
got what I was expecting, like through the whole thing. Um, but I thought it was very, I just love the fact that Marvel Studios continues to give us something new every yep. time out. This For show, sure. this episode is nothing like anything we've seen before in the MCU nope. at all. And again, we're 20 something movies in. We're a bunch of shows that we've gotten, in, and this one is still brand new, and that's yep. astonishing that you're able to keep doing that. Um, so, yeah, the show opens. You know, first scene is we meet who was known as Arthur later on in the episode, <laughs> Ethan Hawke's character. Oh right, I, God, I couldn't play suit because I watched. I, I watched it right after work, uh, and so I really, I, I didn't watch the credits and I was like shit I know who this guy is that is Ethan Hawke and he's so good in this he's, he's so good. good I'm so glad he's here sorry to interrupt you Ed. no 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 <laughs> he's so good in it and he he's putting he goes ahead and does his like little ritual and breaks this drinks from his glass breaks it and puts it in his shoes and puts them on barefoot setting the tone for like the dedication and kind of like insanity that we're gonna get from yeah. this guy like he is not some dude to be messed around with. So it, his power is cool, right? He's got the tattoo with the scales. Yeah. So his pretty much thing is he has this god named Amit, who he feels is like judging you know, to his understanding, he's completely devoted to. And he has a yeah, the tattoo over like here, where it's got scales that when he makes contact with somebody, he does this whole thing, he's judging them through Amit. I mean, Amit's judging through him. And it's pretty much like, are you going to, did you do something in your past? Are you going to do something in the future? And if it turns red, because we see this one older woman goes to him in that one scene and he kills her just yeah. right there. But the other guy before passes over, it's okay. You're a good person. Yeah. You go away. And then when he touches Stephen Grant, he's like, he backs up. He's like, you have chaos in you. And he's scared of him. He's yeah. genuinely like, what the hell is this? What's going on here? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and and he's like such he's such a badass villain so far. Uh, and I and like I say villain just because he is the antagonist to our protagonist. Like mm -hmm. I, I actually, I don't think I've I haven't seen him do do anything villainous yet. Like even killing that woman. And I and, and this is important to point out for this character. She comes to him and says, "Judge me." Yeah, and he says. Are are you sure? Are you ready to take the judgment, no matter what it is? Like because they both know what happens. I don't think like he doesn't judge you, and then he kills you. The no. judgment, like you said, is through him. Amit kills you, and and so the fact that he is like, I don't. Are you sure you want to do this? And then even when he's talking to Stephen Grant. Like when he realizes that this guy's a putz, because Stephen Grant's a fucking putz. In this. Well, even Kachu <laughs> tells him all oh, the idiots. So yeah, the idiots back. And he yeah. says it a couple of times. Like he's getting tossed around. Kachu like, does not the like whole him. Thing. No, not at all. He's, he calls him a parasite at one point. Yes. Yeah. You know, and yeah, he keeps referring that to idiots back. But when we do meet Stephen Grant in the beginning of the episode, we see that he's dealing with like he doesn't want to sleep. And when he wakes up in his bed and we see what his morning routine is, he's got his right leg chained. He's got sand around it. He's yeah. got, like, his bed. He's got his door taped. And all of this is to make sure, like, or evidence that he's not leaving or yeah. that and, and stuff like that because he doesn't know what the hell's going on. And 
later we see that he's, he's he doesn't want to sleep and he's doing puzzles. He's doing it like oh, yeah. all this reading this, on Egyptian this podcast. Yeah, right. That's like how to stay awake, and it's like do a puzzle, keep your mind active, and you see him doing that, and it's like mm-hmm. read a book. Imagine what chapter would you like to live through? And then he's yeah, he's reading through ancient like you know Egyptian books or books. Yeah, because he works. Yeah, because we find out he works in an Egyptian <laughs> museum in in uh, London. Even one of the suggestions of that thing is like listen to Granny's Peach Tea. It will keep you awake. You will not yeah. fall asleep. It's so exciting. So, um, so yes. this this actually leads me to uh, my my one of my first small problems here. Okay. Okay. He is obviously incredibly fucking brilliant and knowledgeable about ancient Egyptian history, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then why the fuck aren't they letting him do the tours? Why are they chastising him for doing the tours? Like, honestly, if I run a museum and a guy walks in and goes, I want to make minimum wage and be kind of a putz, but I'm really brilliant about, like, I could tell you about everything you have here. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, you're never going to be a, be, be a tour guide, you idiot. Like, <laughs> no, I'd be like, yeah, please, you could be the head tour guide. And I will give you 50 cents extra. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, my guess is that it's got to be related to, because they do mention that he's late a lot. And yeah. he does, maybe he has these like, because when he, he probably disappears from times. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, like maybe that's what it is. That that's, that's what I was led to believe. Because but, when Mark takes over, when Mark Spector takes over the wheel of the, of the situation, he's not at work. He ain't going and working at a gift shop in the Egyptian right. Museum. He's a mercenary running around the planet. But then the then that leads to my second problem, small okay. problem. The uh-huh. inverse. Then how the fuck does he keep that job? If he just disappears for days or weeks at a time, you, I don't think Mark and Moon Knight are calling in sick for him. It's like, so, I don't know. so why does See, he even have that? I mean, all right, maybe you're right, because yeah. they do make the date. They do make... The date with the the steak the, the steak girl the vegan. <laughs> so you're right. So I stand corrected. Maybe they are calling out, but but again, there's only so often you can call out. Like if you were that bad, I don't think it would just be you wouldn't get promoted. You wouldn't have the job. And, and well, my guess is he works part time, and he Mark Mark looks like he looks out for him. And it's funny because Angie actually was. We were t- discussing this the second time I was watching the episode today. And she had made a great point where the, after one of Steven, the whole truck scene that goes on and the car chase and everything, mm-hmm. that Mark obviously takes over and ends up going, he wakes up in his bed. And you can see the tape was put back on the door. The oh, yeah, the fish. In. So And the fish. So something happened with the fish that Mark decided to go replace the fish. That's number one. Number two, okay. he put the tape back on the door. He went ahead and set everything back because he wants Steven to be okay at okay. the same time. That's like, a good point. Because I think the knowledge my from this whole episode, again, I, I don't think we need to you're watching the spoilers, so you know everything. We're not gonna I'm not gonna walk you through step by step because I'm assuming you know what happens. But one of that's one of the things I wanted to highlight was it appears when we see Mark at the end of the episode and the times we've seen him briefly, Mark is fully aware of what's going on. Stephen Grant is not. Yes. So my guess is that Mark will look out for him and do things to make Stephen feel okay and safe because he's aware of what's happening. Okay. You know, and in the comic books, 
Mark Spector is the one who's left for dead. And I don't know if this is going to be the same. Mark Spector is the left for dead in Egypt, and that's when Kanchu revives him. So my guess is he's like um, the main guy, the the prime. Oh, okay. So you think Mark is the prime, and Stephen is one of the, the is the, the one of the personalities. Well, okay, okay. See, I don't know anything about this character in the comic book, mm-hmm. so I I was actually going to ask you which one was the prime because simply because we were introduced to him first, I assumed it was Stephen. Okay, so that's what I was going to say is one of the highlights I wanted to point out and what I really enjoyed about this episode is that they chose to go with the story so far and the introduction through the Stephen Grant character and not Mark Spector. So that's what I thought was extremely interesting that they made that choice. And I think it is a quirky way to introduce the character to start Moon Knight because when Mark Spector would have been like, okay, so we got... You know, tough guy who's left behind and stuff. You know, is a gun runner, mercenary type, and that's the guy that we see. And I just think it would have played more like a traditional, right. like you know, superhero story. So yeah. to go through Stephen Grant, I thought was an interesting way because if you don't know anything about Moon Knight at all, you kind of probably do think he's blacking out and has and he doesn't know what's happening. But yet, in reality, Mark Spector is the one who's taking over when those things happen. And that's how he gets out of the yeah the scenes because if like, you notice every like time I, violence is going to happen or yeah. he needs to protect himself, he, it happens and then all of a sudden everyone's everyone's dead. And yeah, I got that. Like I knew because I know there's multiple personalities, so yeah. I knew that every time he blacked out and came to one of the alternates took care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm what I'm really kind of like blown away by right now is that you're telling me that Mark Spector. That you think that, and and you you're probably right because you've read the comics, but that it's going to be revealed that Mark is the prime, and we started the show with an alternate, and that is wild because that like you are as an audience member, you cannot help but become engendered and be on the side of the first character you meet. That's why it's so insidious when you see a horror movie and at the end it's realized. Yeah, no, you've been rooting for the wrong person the whole time. It's like, shit, I feel like a bad person. But here, it's kind of like, wow, no, I'm I'm rooting for just the I I was I was rooting for the comic relief to be the main just because that's the guy I met first. So I, I'm now I'm really super interested to see how they're going to go with this. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I thought that was a very interesting choice that they went with that. And yeah, also Stephen at certain points in the episode is calling somebody because he finds a phone an old. Motorola Razor phone in his apartment in his flat that he yeah. finds there and it's a bunch of missed calls from a Layla who's on the phone and he calls and she's even questioning like what's with this accent where the hell have you been blah 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 and th- once that happens then shitstorm starts and he starts seeing Kanshu after that he starts yeah. seeing Mark in a mirror and then you know everything starts becoming a little bit more clear at least than it was and you see he sees Kanchu in the hallway coming after and that's the big like you know character there that's there like with the huge nose and everything oh that that was Kanchu that that's, that's Kanchu like. that's okay. the physical form of Kanchu okay. that he sees that. and that's what Which, you see for the rest of the episode by the way funny scene when he sees Kanchu and it's actually just an old woman is looking like an older woman looking to go down yeah. and he's like on the, on the floor ah, ah. I lost my contact. I lost my contact. That was really funny. And Oscar Isaac pulls that off really well. No, he really does. 
And then at the end of the episode, though, they're back in the, you know, his place of work is the Egyptian Museum. He's doing his inventory. And then, you know, Arthur sends this, you know, beast after him. And he's going at he's going after him there. And then they he's chased into like a bathroom. And he looks in the mirror, he sees Mark, and Mark's telling him, dude, I'm gonna save, I can save us. Yeah, let's do me. this. Because but that's what I'm trying to say. You can see the assurance, and like yeah. he's so confident in it. He's like, just let me take over. And at first, Steven's ignoring him, like, you know, go away on this is crazy. He goes, dude, I'm real. I am very real. So you need to let this happen. And it does. And then we see a sink go flying. A bunch of punches are happening, and then boom, Moon Knight. In the Moonlight flesh. Moonlight looks good. Moonlight looks good. Moon Knight looks, looks good. really yeah. good. He looks really good. And it's not the first time we saw him. We saw we saw bits and pieces, right? We saw flashes before this? Uh, Not really. That's the first time. We oh, no, that's the first. Okay, I guess I'm just thinking of the, 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 the trailers. The trailers, yeah. Yeah, because and, and the thing is, too, is right before that scene, they do have an exterior shot where they do show the moon is out. Now, yes. Moon Knight's abilities and strength vary, in the, at least in the comics. I don't know what they're going to change in the MCU. But it's based on the moon. Whether if it's like full moon or not, like interesting, the powers can vary like that. So I thought it was cool. I, once they showed the moon, I was like, yeah, we're going to probably get this. Last shot is definitely going to be Moon Knight. And we're going to actually see it go down. Yeah, so, and that was cool. Yeah, I thought that and was I, cool. And a lot I like that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I like that stuff between Mark and... Uh, and what's I'm sorry, the other guy, um, Alex, no, uh, Arthur, Arthur, thank you. Yeah, uh, I, I like um, the stuff when they are in the room, and you see, you see, uh, Oscar Isaac talking to the guard, and the guard, like, at first, one, like, he's like, Someone's gonna follow me in here, stop, and I can't stop. People do what they want, I don't care. And it's then a museum, you see, though, he's like, I can't stop people, you're right, it's a museum, but it's real, it's revealed later that he's part of the cult. Mm-hmm. Right, and then like you see him like so. I thought that was super cool. Like, and he comes to, and again, this also goes to why I don't think this is this guy is necessarily a villain with a capital V, Ethan Hawke, because he comes and he's like, I just want the scarab, and he that's exactly what he wanted in the the first place, right? I now we don't know what the scarab is. We don't know why he wants it. We don't know anything except he could have just like multiple times just slip this guy's throat right yeah. and taking the scarab like especially when he was standing in front of him and he was like here's the scarab no 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 because he couldn't control himself like he could have just killed him and taken the scarab but like he doesn't and i again i, I kind of like that this guy is an antagonist but i don't know what kind of villain he is yet so wanted to mention that yeah, he drops one line where he's talking about like millions are gonna find out like from judgment or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, all right, so that's where his plan's gonna get real crazy. He's probably gonna try to pretty much judge everyone and wipe people out before they even do whatever it is that they're supposed to right. do or perceive perceived to have done. Yeah, because he says, like, you know, if Amit were if Amit lived, she could have stopped Hitler before World War II. Yep. So you see where that—that's at least what yeah. we're led to believe—is going to be Arthur's, you know, plan here. That's going on. Um, I yeah, and I think these—the scene you mentioned when he has because in the beginning, Stephen Grant is approached by a woman at at work, and is, she's like, "Hey, you know, we're on for dinner, seven o'clock, and yep. stuff like that, a steakhouse." And yeah, she's just like, he doesn't know what she's talking about. So I'm assuming that must have been Mark. 
at one point that may have made That's the date. What I figured, yeah. And then that this, you know, he disappears and wakes up on his whole adventure where he meets Arthur and stuff, and it looks like it's in the middle of uh, someone, you know, Mark Spector was doing this whole mercenary run, and that's why he has the scarab and everything. So really, Arthur's the one who's looking for Mark Spector, because he even looks at him at one point, he's like, Mark, you know, that's interesting that you're calling yourself Stephen Grant, and you work in this Egyptian museum thing. He's like, you're yeah. full of shit. Um, but he shows up, he's supposed to have dinner with, it's Thursday, he's supposed to have dinner with the girl Friday night. He shows up on Sunday night, thinking it's the next day, yeah. and it just gives you a real good scope of like this shit happens for days at a time. It's just wild. No, and I was gonna say that that I was gonna point this out as something that I had a minor problem with, but the fact that you're you kind of made me think that uh, and you've convinced me that Mark is the prime um, erases that because I was I was gonna be like. How the hell did this guy not realize? Like, how did, you have a cell phone. How did you not realize? How do you not realize you, you're going to work today? How did you not realize you lost two days? Mm-hmm. But if he's if he's one of the personalities and not a prime, that's how the personalities work. That makes 100% sense. So, like, actually kind of most of my problems with this episode is redone just by thinking, like, oh, right, no, he's okay. He's not the prime. That, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean... On somewhere else, I've said I am invincible. You are. <laughs> yes, you are, Boris. Yes, you are. <laughs> and something now. Now, this is something I want to ask you about. Then, What's up? if he's not the prime, who's his mother that he keeps calling and leaving messages for? So that's another thing I wanted to dip into. If you notice, no one picks up. Right? No, ever. It's, I mean, it's a. It's always a one-sided thing. I even actually noticed while I was watching it the first time. So I'm starting to wonder if that's something maybe Mark set up for him. Again, like I think Mark takes care of Stephen more right. than Stephen is aware of. That makes sense. Because he knows he exists. And again, from my what I know of with the comic is that um, you know, this whole thing, this uh this I'm sorry, I'm gonna I don't wanna butcher the disorder that you know that it pretty much has. Uh Disassociative identity disorder. Yeah, that comes to be because of uh, Mark Spector's encounter with Kanshu and their mental connection. And that's what—that's the result of it. That's what I was going to ask you because traditional DID comes when uh, someone, especially at a young age, experiences so much compounded trauma that the only way that they could keep themselves surviving is to create an alternate to um deal with that again that's why i thought mark was the alternate and not the the main but if it came if that if the did happened because of the link with kanju that makes a hundred percent sense because this is then not really did it's some sort of spiritual thing or you know Ancient because he's country is an ancient Egyptian god or something, right? Um, is a god of the moon, okay? Yeah, oh, is he one of the ones missing in the pantheon that he points out in the beginning? That's that's my guess. He's one of those because he says there's nine and there's seven, dude. I don't want, I'm gonna like literally, I am listening to you and appreciating this episode more, and I am likely gonna go back and rewatch this episode before I watch the next episode next week. Fair, fair enough. Listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna say I'm a Moon Knight connoisseur or anything like that. But I got, but I actually meant to get my box out of a box of comics out of the um, 
I'd have them in a garage and I want to bring them back actually into this room because I would like to have them in here for, mm. I was told to have them in a more controlled weather environment, temperature environment, uh, otherwise yeah. they'd be getting messed up. Good um, I'm pretty sure there's a few Moon Knight comics in there. I'm nice. pretty sure that's the case. I'm not going to say I, I'm, it's dominated by Spider-Man. There's definitely Batman in there. No, but that's 100 cool. I'm sure, but they will, I'm sure there's some Moon Knight ones in there. And they never... that worked. Marvel got me because it was like, oh, this guy looks cool. You should check him out. Oh, look, Spider-Man's in his comic oh, featuring yeah. Spider-Man. And which I, is I, every I, Marvel property. <laughs> exactly, which I'm like, ooh, who's Moon Knight? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, the, the I know Moon Knight from two things. One... He shows up in a whole bunch of Spider-Man video games I've played, mm-hmm. and I like him in that, but that doesn't give me much sense of him, too. He looked so super cool. I bought his action figure because I'll just buy characters I think look cool that I've heard of, <laughs> but like I never saw him in anything except for this and uh, the, those that stuff I just mentioned, so like... I, I'm I'm really like in awe that you have any Moon Knight knowledge about the the source material. I have some, and I'm, once again, though, this is based on the comics. The show might change it because the MCU no, takes liberties. Yeah, but it. but but still, just on getting to know that comic book version, even through this and these discussions, that's cool. Because I I may now go look because I've done this this stuff before. I may now go and find like a Moon Knight graphic novel that I want to read. There you go. And as a Batman fan, because people who are not really any what aware of Moon Knight, they just look at him mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, that's a knockoff. That's a Marvel knockoff of Batman. Yeah, they couldn't be more different. No. So stop. Cut yeah. the crap with that. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see where it goes. I mean, there's only six episodes, at least for now. Yeah, but so we've we'll we'll, we've seen what the uh, the MCU can do on Disney Plus with six episodes. Like They can do a lot. They could do a so. lot. Like Fal- I'm looking at you, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which took me by surprise. Like you know, you you had six, six episodes. Was that that was? Six yeah, they only too, had right? six. Also, yeah, and we were like, damn it, we want more. Right, and look at look at the the world building they did. Like not just even the great storytelling and the action, but the world building they did for the MCU. It was amazing, and it was all just six episodes. Yeah. Did you catch that story by the way earlier that I posted on the, our Facebook page? Which one? So apparently Disney was up. They uploaded like an edited version, cutting out some blood of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then by the end of the day, it was like, oh, we uploaded the wrong one. Sorry, guys. Uh, we're putting it back. <laughs> Look, you know what? Disney tried. Uh, they're gonna, Disney's going to Disney. But thank you, fans, for reaching out and teabagging Disney. And saying, no, 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 put my blood back in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Be- and not because I love the blood, I don't care, but because that's what it was. Leave the art as the art. Don't Disneyfy shit. Yeah, listen, you own Marvel. You Marvel Studios is crushing it. Dude, they're the Great. hottest thing in Hollywood, okay? By far. There's been people coming out saying for a while they're the only reason that movie theaters are even open right now. Yeah. That they still exist, okay? Stop screwing with it. Let Marvel be Marvel. Don't Great. try to do it. You even put the 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 parental code thing on there, which is fine. I, I acknowledge that. That's hey, cool. Fine. You gotta let people yeah. know what they're in for. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't want your five-year-old going ahead and watching The Punisher or something like that. I understand. There are other five-year-olds who are fine after watching it, but I understand if you don't want your kid watching it. Well, but I don't I don't want don't my kid watching the Punisher just oh no, you were talking about the show, god damn it. I was gonna make a <laughs> fucking slick Punisher movie joke, but I really well, I definitely so. don't want that. 
<laughs> I'd rather them definitely watch John Brunfels slaughter people instead of any any kind of crazy stuff like that. Um, all right, so can't wait to see what happens next week with uh, Moon Knight Episode 2. But that takes us to our movie of the week, which is Joker. So if you've been with us, you've known that we started a while back with Batman 66. We counted down and led up to the Batman. And then after the Batman, we acknowledged there were two theatrical animated movies. And then there were two Batman adjacent movies that we covered. And last week we had a blast we had fun talking about Catwoman. Me, you, and Rick had a ball. It was fun. And we look, talked again, about I, sexy basketball. We talked about insanity. Man, man sandwich. <laughs> man uh, sandwiches. We talked about Halle Berry, which is always nice. We talked about how exactly. bad she was getting a Razzie. And again, I want to point out, not the worst thing I've watched for this podcast. <laughs> no, it's it, it shockingly wasn't. Because if you would have told me before we started Granny's PhD, what's going to be the worst movie you watch, I probably put Catwoman up as one of them, yeah. and it's not. That doesn't even, doesn't even breach my top five. Oh, <laughs> I but, actually had a little fun with that movie. A little, but it was there. So did I. The comedic <laughs> yeah. value was there. But this is it, though. This, this is, is the end there. of it. This and is different. We're ending on a really strong note. We're Joaquin Phoenix's... I'm sorry, uh, Todd Phillips's Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix. Dude, this movie is... I, every time I've seen it... Oh, God is something special man it is like toward the force like just awesomeness from start to finish i gotta ask you a serious question and this i'm not kidding i know it's gonna sound it's a bit it's not a bit am i am i not supposed to really side and empathize with arthur fleck in this movie like because i know he i know he's the titular joker i know what that means but god damn if I like almost everything he does in this movie, I'm like, I would have done it that way, but I don't know, maybe under different circumstances I would. Jesus Christ, this guy had a hard life. Like, am I I'm not supposed to hate this guy, right? Because I don't. Uh, no, I don't think you are, actually. I think that that's the point of this, is that they're like like we mentioned, we we've talked about um, you know, um, Sorry, the killing joke, which was obviously an inspiration for this film, right. and the whole talk one of bad like day. one bad day, and he even mentions it. He's yep. like, "I'm having a really bad day," mm-hmm. and so that's in there, and you can see the failed comedian inspiration is there yep. in this film. So, but it doesn't go exactly according to that because it goes into real world. Like, yeah, what well, if somebody had to be became the Joker? Right, and this isn't also what I really liked about the change of motivation in this outside of. Um, the 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 killing the killing joke is the killing joke is you know my wife and kid died and that's terrible, but that also relegates the wife and kid as yeah just origin fodder you know. But here it's like no my horribly abusive narcissistic mother has been controlling me and demoralizing me my entire life. I just saw who she was because yeah, that's what breaks him. And it, yeah, once he finds out that, that he's adopted, is, yep. and that his, you know, the whole thing with Thomas Wayne isn't true that his mother's been rambling on about, uh-huh. and know, the, for a while. The fact that like her, she is the reason for his abuse. Her boyfriends and and you know th- that's the thing is he's a man who is like in 
the movie is racked by mental illness. He's got that disorder where he can't stop laughing, which is never played as a joke ever. And I really appreciate no. that. Um, and he's obviously got all of this stuff. And the, you know, when he realizes what his mother did to him and what he, she let other people do to him, he realizes she did that to him. Like all of what's wrong with him is because of that trauma he endured. And he wasn't even her kid. He was adopted. And, you know, because he didn't know he was adopted. He didn't know he was adopted. Yeah. He didn't know he was abused. He didn't know any of this. He just was this mentally damaged guy. And it was just, it was too much. And it crushes him. And it was, just, again, if this was not called the Joker, if this was called Arthur, if this was called Fleck, and this had nothing to do with Batman, I would still say it was a beautiful movie. Yeah, it's it's just it's so well shot, it's so well written. Um, this movie, when you're every time I've watched it, and I feel like I've watched it like five or six times at this point. Um, as I saw it in the theater twice, I'm pretty yeah, it was wow. twice. Um, did we see this movie together? The first we, one, we, we didn't. didn't. We, we didn't. didn't. We didn't. Okay. And I know I remember that because, uh, you you know I always talk about my wife who doesn't give a shit about any of these types of movies. So every now and then she'll relent and go and see one of these movies with me that she has maybe the slightest interest in. Uh. This was one of them. We went and we sat down. She's like, okay, enjoy the movie. And, and she puffs like her coat up and I could see she's about to take okay. a nap. Yeah. Like 20 minutes in this movie, she's tapping my leg. Like she walked into that movie going literally saying to me, I was just appeasing you when I was about to take a nap, and goddamn, that movie was good. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so every time I've seen this movie, though, it's it is powerful, man. Yeah, it is it is something that grabs my attention, and you, it's so intense from scene to scene, and you once he, he, the the switch flips with him, you feel so uneasy about what he's about to do next. Yes, and you don't know what it is, and then when you yep. see the reveal that uh, his neighbor down the hall, played by Zazie Beetz, is, I love hasn't been around, she's great in this, mm -hmm. and she was great in Deadpool too. Also, I didn't um, realize I didn't realize for a while they were the same person. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I had a crush on the same woman in two different characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, once you find out that she wasn't there the whole time, you're like, wow. Yeah, I mean, this is it. He is like, this is the Joker turn that's that's gonna happen here, and you just again, he there's a lot of times where he's uh, like mimicking shooting himself, like starts with her, yeah, that whole thing, and, and he ooh. thinks he's doing it back. And can I, can I talk about that scene for a second? Because yeah, yeah, I noticed something. Like when I first saw, because I've seen this movie a couple times, right? Mm -hmm. But this is the first time I ever watched it with like the the eye of like taking notes and really thinking. Um, I always thought that it was genuinely a playful flirtation when she does the, in yeah. the, the right, and he comes out of the 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 elevator and does it back. But if you, you watch that scene and you watch her reaction, she is kind of terrified. Yes. Like, absolutely you know she's like <laughs> okay come on let's, let's go, let's go. i'm getting my kid out of here yeah and like because again like when i first saw this movie i bought into the the joker's 
hallucinations and, and mm-hmm. his his rea- his fantasy. And right, that's what this movie's about. He loses it when reality comes and crushes his fantasy in three very important ways. Right, love, career, family, mm-hmm. uh, and the the the. I didn't because I bought into it. I didn't realize that that was like that was a chilling scene. And if I if I noticed that, I never would have bought into that they were a thing and were dating because it's like no, she was terrified of him. Yeah, that's one of the times that we actually see like through the lens of reality instead of the unreliable narrator that we get through a portion of this. Yeah. So a couple of things about this movie too is, and I was reading an interview with Todd Phillips recently on this i mean from it's an old interview but i I just read it recently so a lot of this stuff is purposely left for open for interpretation because there's a lot of questions that come along with Mm -hmm. the ending of this film like you know when he's in the arkham asylum and he is talking and then it ties back to the beginning of the movie where it opens and we first meet arthur and he's in arkham asylum talking as well wondering if this was all like a fever dream of his that none of this actually happened, that he was in Arkham Asylum the whole time. So I'm going to say uh, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Because this movie is heavily influenced by two movies, both Martin Scorsese, Taxi Driver, and King of, uh, King King of Comedy. Comedy. Both brilliant movies. And I don't, know how, I don't know how familiar you are with Taxi Driver. I've seen it a bunch Okay, so you know the taxi driver has a very similar ending Mm -hmm. where you see Travis Bickle do crazy shit and all of a sudden he's just kind of back in his life where we saw him in the beginning. And the question is, did that happen or not? And, And I don't think it matters. I think, like, this was emulating taxi driver and it doesn't matter if it happens in Taxi Driver, and it doesn't matter here, you know? It's it's just a nice, it's it's a homage that could be read either way. Personally, I think it did happen. I think this is the, the genesis of the Joker, uh, because we do see things, not many, but we do see things Bruce Wayne-oriented outside of the Joker's view. Yes. This movie is not first person completely. We get a little bit of third person omniscient. So that's why I kind of think that it's real. But again, you could think it's not and and be just as valid and correct because it doesn't matter. Well, I would say is that I I, I agree with you on that. I mean, if I had to pick a side with it, I do think it happened. Um, But just to play devil's advocate, right, based on what you had just mentioned, Mm-hmm. So perhaps he, during his fever dream, he is so angry with Thomas Wayne that he envisions ah. murdering him and his wife. And he may have heard somewhere that he had a his mother could have mentioned, oh yeah, he has a little boy named Bruce or whatever. Okay, all right, maybe yeah, so, just so, just for the yeah, just so, for yeah, conversation. for sure. So then maybe he, or maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe he, uh, d- there is no Bruce Wayne. Maybe it's yeah. he's Bruce Wayne because it's his fever dreams. So he's projecting himself into Thomas Wayne's life, but also like if we're, you know, also outside of it, like the yeah. duality of, of, of the consciousness and all that. So yeah, that, that could make sense, but it could, but I'm with you though. I'm on board with yeah that this definitely happened because in the beginning of the movie, we find out he's in Arkham Asylum, but we never find out why. Not that it's terribly important, but there is no explanation of why he's there or anything like right. that. It's just that he's there. Um, I guess the other things are, as much as this movie is fantastic, there's been a lot of talk, and even Alex had opened the, our show mm-hmm. with mentioning 
the sequel idea. And the reason that there's a sequel idea, because this was never meant to have a sequel, it was meant to be a one-off. Yep. Is this. This movie no, crushed it. it at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there was an update, ironically, earlier today, I saw on comicbook.com, that apparently the script is still not finished, and they're expected to start shooting next year. And Todd Phillips, who co-wrote this film, has not had turned in his half yet, reportedly. Okay. So we're cur- I'm curious to know if maybe it's just not happening, that or what's going on because you know I know they wanted to get Joaquin Phoenix to to obviously continue, um, and there were ideas thrown out there that maybe that Arthur Fleck is the person who ends up inspiring the person that becomes the Joker. I don't okay. know. I'd maybe. be. I I'd actually prefer that. Like, okay, because that ties into my next question to you because I, I, okay, I had a so weird thing to, to go with. So maybe that's the case. I don't know. But being that this is the Joker and a Joker origin story, so now he's the Joker. Do we want this Joker? Do you want to see this Joker face a Batman? No, 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 no. Absolutely not. This is like, this is again, because again, I don't, this is not a Joker story for me, like in the sense that that's why I care about this. This is just a really compelling story about a real human being's like breakdown and succumbing to the darkness uh, and and his own traumatic past. And like this, uh, this is deeply psychological. This, this need not have anything to do with Batman. And I think you, no matter how good you do a real life Batman movie, you know I'm. I love the Batman. I, I talk about it in class all the time. My favorite part of the Batman is just the Penguin calling, "Hey, vengeance! Get out of my way!" Like best part. Uh, but like I love the Batman. I love all of the realistic Batman. But Batman is always a comic book character. He's only going to be so. It's only so believable that a man dresses up in a bat suit and takes physical beatings every single night, right? Mm-hmm. This Joker is feels real to me because this isn't the Joker who falls into Axis chemicals. This is a real guy who had a fucking breakdown and just personality is destroyed. Like, so they're tonally so different. I don't see them existing in the same universe. Well, the reason I'm asking too is just because, like I said, we, we are talking about the Joker. Right, Bruce Wayne is in this movie. No, he is, and, and I Thomas think Thomas Wayne is set in Gotham. Even though for us, it's it's seventies New, New York City, New early eighties New York City, like that era, which I thought was fantastic. Me too. That I loved every second of it because you could just everything about it was very. You could cool. smell the garbage from the garbage strike. <laughs> yeah, everything is there for it. Um, but that's what I was just kind of curious, though, because again, like we see. That even at while well, I'm while I was watching it the other day, is when he goes ahead and makes physical contact with Bruce Wayne as a child and goes ahead and puts the smile on his face. And I'm thinking to myself, they're gonna be arch enemies one day, right? And this dude, and it's you know, it's gonna be destined to go on forever, as Heath Ledger says in The Dark Knight. So I was just, I don't know, I, I, and I never thought about it actually like that. Until the, the my most recent rewatch of it, while well, I was just looking at it through that lens, maybe it's yeah. because we just, we've watched so much Batman recently True. that it's once again it's like all in my head, like constantly now. 
It's true. And and but I think I think it is definitely there. Like, you know, they plant the seeds again of like this is gonna go on. I'm making you, you made me, you know. Yeah. Like it, it's kind of getting it harkens back thematically to that. Like, you know, um your father provided my mother with because because you know that's the unspoken thing. Yeah. How did that woman get a child? Well, she obviously had fucking Thomas Wayne as a reference. Your your father provided my mother with a reference to get me and abuse me. You made me. I come to your house. I put that smile on your face. I'm physically making you. I get your parents killed. Like, it's thematically it's there. Yeah. And I think it works in, in the context of this. But like I think my thing is I just don't want a sequel. And I'm going to disagree with a, just one word Alex used. He said it doesn't it didn't deserve a sequel. It's not deserved. This movie deserves not to have a sequel. This movie is a perfect standalone thing. And I think at, there's nothing you can add to it that's going to make the story or what happened better. And I think adding to it is only going to cheapen the original experience. That's my personal opinion. It's a hot take, I know. No, 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 not at all. Because there's been a lot of people, especially on our page, that have said that. Whenever I've, I've shared updates on the Joker sequel that's been that I I mean listen personally if you if you if Todd Phillips writes something and they they feel confident in this I'm always fine whatever sequel it is give me your sequel because the sequel for me can go a couple of ways one you continue the story that you originally told and there's more to that story or you have another adventure with this main character or characters mm -hmm. and it can go either way so if you have another story to tell featuring arthur fleck or now joker then okay fine i don't know where you're going to take that unless it's towards batman at this point i i don't know where that goes <clears throat> so i'm more fascinated about the concept of where the hell are you going to go with this unless it's towards a batman i kind of hope what what they do is they they punk us all and they just take another two Scorsese movies and do a Scorsese mashup, like, but like ridiculous ones, like After Hours, which is like, a, <laughs> like a, a an eighties like cocaine fueled comedy, yeah. and you get Arthur Fleck partying in the East Village, <laughs> but like, like make it so bizarre that no one's ever gonna ask for a third. <laughs> so it must pretty much be Rob Zombie then, and make your Halloween too, and then that's it. <laughs> Yeah, but fun. Halloween's oh, a okay. fun. <laughs> um, yeah, and and you also texted me the other day how much you hated Penny Fleck in this movie. How Dude, awful she is. Penny Fleck is seriously in my top five most hated fictional characters of all time. She's not number one because no one will ever take the place of Javert from Les Miserables. I think that guy's a piece of shit. Oh, you want to know who mine is? I have one. Ironically... <laughs> It's Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. Oh, um, oh, Commodius. What's his name? Uh, Commodus. Commodus. That's it. I was I watched a YouTube video the other day that said that he was actually much worse in real life. <laughs> oh wow! Well, yeah, and I remember how bad he was in that movie, dude. He is. Oh my god, he is disgusting in that movie. He makes me so angry in it, but it also ties into. How much of a fantastic actor I think Joaquin Phoenix is because he's phenomenal in this. He's yeah, dude, he is transcendent in this. Like, and he isn't in Gladiator. Like he to bring out that emotion yeah, in yeah. someone, 
you've done your job, dude. Absolutely. No, he's he is a transcendent actor. I don't use that word loosely. You know, mm-hmm. like I think like you really have to the the way I identify it, the way I, I kind of define that is if I can watch an actor do several different roles and lose track of the fact it's the same guy or same girl, same yeah. woman, that is transcendent to me. You know, like Gary Oldman kind of hit that for me for a spit a spell. Um, Johnny Depp for a little while in his prime. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that. Yeah. Well, who's but, your uh, who's your other ones that you really hated besides Penny Floyd? Well, uh, all right. So, I mean, you know, just in general, it's like Javert from from Les Misérables. This, what a prick, man! This guy. So you you got this French commoner who steals some bread to feed his family, and this prick cop chases him for the rest of his life, trying to ruin it because he stole a loaf of bread, and then he served his time and like left three days early from parole. And this is what you. This is the hill you die on, you French prick. Come on. Anyway. I love musical theater, but I, I hate that guy. But but Penny Fleck is a, is a very close second because she's awful, and she's she's a she, one. She is a diagnosed narcissist, mm-hmm. um, and narcissists are just terrible. Uh, and but but you see the just the way she undercuts Arthur in so many ways. And it's it just it felt so real to me as someone who knows as no narcissists. Like there's a scene where he's bathing her. All right. This grown ass man is bathing his mother, who is not an invalid, not incapable of bathing herself. And he's talking about how excited he is about his stand-up comedy material, which yes, we all know yes. it's crazy rantings. It he's got like He's got the journal from from the guy from Seven, you know what I mean? Pretty and, much. And he's saying like, you know what's real funny? I vomited on the guy on the subway today. I mean, but who cares, right? He says to his mother, you know, the guys at work are saying that my stand-up's coming. I want to do stand-up comedy. And she goes, Arthur, I thought you had to be funny for that. You're not particularly funny. <laughs> And yeah. and that's and and that's the abuse there. That's why he is the way he is. That's why he is a guy with all of these dreams and all of this ambition, but zero ability to act on it until he literally overhauls himself and just, just gives into his dark side. And it's all her fault. I fucking hate her. I'm glad she's dead. And what my favorite part of this movie is when he suffocated her in that bed. And yes, I have, yes, I have mother issues. (laughs) Listen, you went ahead and let him have it right there. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I also think it's it, his, they mentioned his book. His book is very interesting because his notebook has random pictures of like smut and nudity there. I know. Without it. And then jokes like, I hope that my, my death means more than my life. Yeah. And it's just, there's just a lot of things, but he's also in, writes in it at one point where he's like, that the worst thing about having a mental illness is that everyone expects yes. you to act like you don't. 100%. And I was and like, wow, that, and that's that, deep, that, That's such a profound thought. And, uh, you know, as someone who has struggled with mental things in the past, it's freaking true, man. You know, everyone always, everyone expects each other to sort of operate in the same way in you know, society and social norms and the such. Uh, and most of us can and do, but like, 
you know, when you're someone like him, where you're like breaking, you know, and he's breaking and no one's noticing. He, he is the whole third, first 30 minutes of this movie is his cry for help, but no one is listening. He says it flat out to his uh, social worker that he's talking to. She's like, you know, he says, you, you don't listen to me. All yes. I have is negative thoughts. I've yes. never been like a happy a day in my life, like for a moment. And then eventually he goes back to that and he reveals, you know, now that he is. And once he flips and kills his mother and ends up going complete Joker yeah. is, you know. And, and then remember, he was going on the um, Murray Franklin show to kill himself. Yes. At the end. You remember he said a couple of times. Yep. And eventually he's like, you know something? Like, because he says, I don't have a mental illness. There's nothing wrong with me. You're the ones. And he's like, you brought me on here to fuck mm -hmm. with me. And yep. I'm like tired of this shit. And he goes ahead and shoots the guy who he fantasizes about early in the film being like a father to him. Yeah. And being warm to him. And at the end of it, he's like, no, I'm good now. Fuck you. And goes ahead and shoots him in the head on live TV. Mm -hmm. And then starts doing his like dancing that he does throughout the film. Yeah, which I love. I and that was a Joaquin Phoenix like sort of sort of ad lib, like yes. that whole scene, like like after he kills the the stock bros. Yep. Um, which uh, I'm sorry, cry me a river over those three would be fucking rapist attackers. Like, fuck you, people going on. Like, that's another. That was another thing about this. It was like, am I supposed to feel bad for those guys because he gunned them down? Because he literally sat there and just had his laughing thing because he couldn't help it. Yeah. And because they couldn't rape this one woman in front of them, they beat this shit. And it's like, and I'm supposed to feel bad for them but anyway. <laughs> well, no, a look at it, though. But think about the thing we've always been talked about with Batman with escalation. Yes. That's, Technically, yeah. in this version, the Joker was seen as the vigilante who has, like, the you know, the mask You're and right. everything else. And then Batman, you know, Bruce Wayne comes on eventually and does his thing. I thought that was a pretty interesting to add into the lore. Yeah, I did too. I did too. At least in this version, this multiverse version, yeah. Elseworlds version of, of, yeah. of Batman and Joker and everything. Because this could be whatever it wants to be. And like, look, I, I talked my smack before, but like, if they somehow reinvent Batman to be every bit as damaged and deranged, but in like the Batman way that this Joker is because of the death of his family. And the sequel is him play, trying to figure out his trauma in the same parallel way that the, this one was about Fleck dealing with his. Like, I'll probably think it's brilliant. So, like, I just want to, like, go back to what I said before. If it's done well, I'm in for it. Because I, I do love this movie. And I would like, I wish they could do other things with it. Like, I just, I wish I could live in this world more. I honestly, I at one point I was hoping that this was going to be linked to the Batman. But yeah. Oh, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah we, we did. We, we did. Wanted yeah. it. I guess the time, the timelines don't really match up because obviously this is late seventies, early eighties. Right. I mean, he'd be extremely old by the time uh, Robert Battinson suits up. Yeah. Uh, so we don't need that because we had that insanity with Gotham and we saw no, that no. one. And um, also, also tonally. The Batman and the and Joker, not to, they, they're not totally compatible. I'm going to be honest. I was about to say where I was going with it. I actually was going to say I could see some evolution of this Joker facing the Batman. 
Okay. But they I have their say, own Joker anyway, so it's never going to Yeah, happen, they, they got I'm their own saying. thing. Yeah. But I, I would actually say that you would have to make you'd have to make the Batman in that a bit more crazy. Like, like you couldn't give him any of the redemption beats that Battenson gets in the Batman to have that work. Because I think the only way a Batman works in this Joker world is if he is equally as crazy as the Joker, just obsessed with a different code. Joker okay. is chaos. He is order because that that's, that's the, that's bare bones. The interesting thing, right? Two sides of the same coin, but for it to work here, you really need to, to make that real. And the only way to make that real is to make it like, yeah, uh, sorry. Now I'm just fucking babbling. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I, I was, I was for it. I, I was, I was all in. Um, all right. So we got anything else on Joker before we want to wrap this one up? You got anything in your notes that you wanted to talk about? Uh, oh, I did have one more thing. Sure. Did a little research because um, last time we talked about, and I was this is why I was really hoping Rick would be here tonight because mm -hmm. Rick had posited something super interesting: is that did Arthur Fleck kill Sophie, aka Zazie Beats, when he just inexplicably shows up at her house and the reality crashes in? And she's like, please get out of here. You know, you're yeah. in the wrong apartment. And then he kind of leaves. And now I didn't think he did. Rick made a very good case that he did. And then in this rewatch, I was like, oh, he absolutely did. However, okay. I did a little research and uh, it is canon that he did not. There is a cut part. I don't know if it was ever filmed, but it was a cut part of the, um, the script where she comes back and has something to do. I don't know. They didn't go into okay. detail, but canonizing the script, Arthur Fleck does not kill Zazie Beats. So uh, I was very happy about that because I actually really did like that character, Sophie. And I would have hated for her to die simply because she rode the elevator with this guy, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, but that's what I can see Arthur Fleck doing. A hundred percent. If you and happen to get in his way, it's going to happen. A hundred percent. And that's why this time I was like, oh, because he li like literally she begs him to leave. And then you hear the bam, bam. And he's walking down the hall. And it's like, you never see her again. So it's like, no, it was a com completely reasonable. He killed her. But I, yeah. I personally just did not want that to be true. No, I, I can see that. Um, yeah, no, but that's just, there's so many great, you know, I, oh, I'm just saying like even I loved seeing Robert De Niro in this. I mean, obviously, oh, references to shit. Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. God, yeah, yeah, we, we, we didn't get into Murray Franklin. We didn't even talk about Robert De Niro in this. God We're, damn. No, you're right, then. We need to, especially in my house, that yeah. doesn't happen. We don't pass <laughs> Robert De Niro ever. Um, because he is, yeah, I mean, this is a movie based on, like, not based on, but... Inspired that, that inspired. It was inspired by two very iconic Robert De Niro movies. And I saw the, I actually saw the King of Comedy after this. Okay. I saw it because of this. It was just a movie that like didn't hit my radar. Mm -hmm. And that is a brilliant movie. And he is brilliant in it. And the fact that we get to see him be the Jerry Lewis character here. Yeah. Is just, I mean, I, it was brilliant. Like, the fact that they brought him into this was brilliant. And don't forget, too, Martin Scorsese is a producer on this film. 
Is he really? Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he was a producer. On, let me just double check that. I'm pretty sure that is he, the case. He famously hates these movies, right? Also, you know, tends to ramble a little bit, you know, about and, yeah. insanity there. Uh, let's see, see production and what the whatever imbd is playing games but i am i'm just about 99 percent sure that martin scorsese is a producer on or executive yeah, producer on it. joker yes oh i believe you. I, I mean he'd have to be involved Pro you know probably what it was is they went mr scorsese we're gonna really really sort of be inspired by this and turn what you did into you know synthesize what we want to do mm -hmm. uh and we're not just going to pay you. We're also going to give you credit. You know, I mean, I bet that's what it was. Like, I don't, he had nothing to do with it. Oh, no. It, except that it was very heavily inspired by two of his most famous movies. Yeah. And they decided to just run it by him, I guess, and be like, yeah. fine, you know, whatever it is. Right. So, sign this and we'll sign your check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bobby, just as much as Tim Burton had to do with Batman forever. Right. Exactly. Sign this and we'll sign your unemployment check. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it, it's always great seeing Robert De Niro in anything. He's he's crushes it in in the time. He doesn't get a lot of screen time, but he crushes no, it. But let me let me ask you this: Do you have the experience that you feel he's in this movie more than he is, just because his presence is so big? Oh, absolutely. Like that, even that first scene in Arthur's imagination, where he's like, "Oh, son, come on down." He's like the father figure. It's like, wow, you know. And then, like you, you're right. You don't see him until like. When he shows up at the close to the end, when he's making fun of Arthur on his show, yeah, you know, so there's like a good like there, there's a good chunk of this movie he's not in, but it just feels like he is ever present. Well, they him and Arthur and his mother watch it. Arthur and Penny watch his show at night while they're going to bed right. and stuff like that. And I think that's where you get drop-ins of him little yeah, by little. You're right. So it feels like he's around more of it, but again, he's also in the background on TV in there, so. That, that's where you get them. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm curious to see if this actually ends up getting this, a sequel. Um, yeah. And if it does, obviously we'll cover it. We'll talk about it then. I hope it's really good. It may yeah, or may not I'm, be. But you're us, right. A, a good term to say is not deserving because the movie's phenomenal. Yeah. that That's why I say it deserves not to have a sequel or yeah. if it's going to have a sequel to have one that is just as good because you can't shit on all sequels, right? Like, yeah. That that's gone. That whole thing of yeah, the sequel always sucks. Is not that that's been trumped and yeah. destroyed no, no. years ago. My the only concern is are they going to do right by it? Are they going to do the cash grab? That's exactly. that's the question. That's what you fingers crossed. That, yeah, you know. Ooh. One more scene because we did we, we did miss an important scene. I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. But when when he kills the when he kills the guy who gave him the gun. Yes. And then like and one of my favorite characters in that movie who's the. The little, the little person who's the Cockney guy. Yes, yes. Uh, who, like, he says, like, you know, Arthur, you've always been so nice to me. You know, like, he, he's so he's such a sweet guy. And yes. there's that scene where, like, when he when Arthur, like, he locks the door and he puts the deadbolt on and he kills the guy who absolutely deserved to be killed. I'm sorry. Oh, he was a, a piece of shit. Um, but, like, Arthur's like, you were always so, he actually says, you were always so nice to me. I'm not going to hurt you. But then there's that heartbreaking moment where he can't, he can't get the leave. door open. And he's like, Arthur, can you 
get it. It's like, what, like, what, a, like a scary and a heartbreaking and tragic moment. Like, imagine being in that situation where you don't know what this guy's going to do. This he might not know what he's going to do. He doesn't. And, and he can't even fucks with them where he does that. Like, yeah. so it's like, and you just want to get out of there and like, you, you just can't do it. And you have to ask the person you're afraid of to get it. Like, it was just such a powerful scene to me. And I, I, I couldn't let, let us, I think that's my last thing, but like, because I also love that character a lot. The, yeah. Because you see him in the beginning too, where the, the the piece of shit who gets killed is making fun of him, like, "Oh, what do they call mini golf? What do you people call mini golf? Just golf." And you see Arthur laugh, and you know why? Because he's uncomfortable, and he, mm-hmm. you can tell it's because he doesn't like what's going on. And you think that the the Cockney guy, like, thinks he's is, laughing at him. Yes, but you see in the scene when he comes to visit him that he knows, like, no, he must have known, like. No, it's it's just that this is this guy. He's got this condition. They must know he has that condition. No, no, for sure. So, like, so I also really like that the fact that that scene redefines the way we see that character's interactions with Fleck. And I don't know. Again, and it, it's such a small part, but it's done so well, and there's so much rich material there. So, well, I know, I, I know, and. I know, but we, we could probably talk about this movie yeah, like that's, the next that, 10 hours. And that's why I keep shutting myself up, because I'm like, <laughs> I, if I don't, I'm literally going to go. And then at minute seven? <laughs> well, no, there's one other parallel I wanted to touch on briefly, too. In the beginning of the movie, when we see Arthur, he's at work, and he's, like, trying to make himself smile, and yes. he's like that, and you can tell he's in a lot of pain. Yeah, he does that whole thing. But then at the end of the movie, when he's bleeding out of his mouth, and his makeup is running... He yeah. takes the blood and then yes. puts it Then You can see the parallels there. Like, that's almost like, this is where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's pretty much like Joker time. Like, this is yeah. where it is. And yeah, that's, that's, that's actually a really good point. Like, I didn't even, I didn't pick up on that. He's trying and he does that to Bruce Wayne too. He's trying to put a smile on everyone's face. And that, what does his mother tell him, right? Your purpose is, your purpose here is to bring laughter and joy and smiles to everyone. But he, of course, he can't do that because he's, you know, he's he's going through shit he doesn't realize. And so the way he thinks of it is... Exactly. And then when that doesn't, when he finally becomes himself, it's like, I don't have to do that. I do it this way. With you know? blood. I, with blood. Like, I, I, life is my smile and it becomes, this is a part of me now. And yeah, it's so brilliant. It, yeah, this movie is just spectacular. If you haven't seen Joker, absolutely see Joker. Oh, yeah. Do you definitely don't regret it at all, man. You know, spoil the hell out of it. But you, there's still so much we couldn't even get to because we would talk about it for another two hours. Yeah. No, it's, it's a very rich movie. Like, I would say that. You know, comic book movie is a genre, and there's it's not it's not a shameful genre. There's nothing wrong with it. I think uh, Endgame is brilliant, Infinity Wars. There's so many brilliant comic book movies, but you know they're a bit different. I wouldn't I wouldn't put comic book movies in the same realm as I would put like say something like Alien. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but I would put the Joker more toward the Alien side than I would the comic book side. Just because I feel like this is just this is a real real is a bad word, but this is a this is a very serious non comic book movie being made 
with a comic book property. And I, I've just never seen anything done like it before. And it works brilliantly. For sure. All right. So that pretty much wraps it up for us this week. Thanks for joining us. As we always appreciate all the support out there. Uh, if you like what you heard tonight, uh, go ahead and check us out on if you're on Facebook and catching us there. Go ahead and uh, join Granny's PhD Facebook group and join the uh, conversation daily that goes on there. There's a lot of stories and stuff, casting news and things like that and stuff that don't make the show. So you go ahead and check us out there. Uh, also check us out on Pop Culture Pros as well. Go ahead and join that group. There's a bunch of fun stuff that goes on there daily. Uh, if you're catching us on YouTube, go ahead, hit subscribe, like Pop Culture Pros. If you're on Twitter, go ahead, follow us, check out a bunch of stuff that we always post there. Uh, same thing on Instagram and wherever you found your podcast, if that's where you're catching us as well. Um, so in some of the shows that are on Pop Culture Pros, uh, besides Granny's Peach Tea, is uh, Monday nights we have Double O Deep Dive, which is a look back into the James Bond franchise. Uh, Jason, you guys covered, um, what was it? Sorry. Um, covered wow. Live and, Live and, Live and Let, let die. die. Yeah, we just, last Monday we did Live and Let Die, uh, the first of the Roger Moore era. Roger Moore, man, he is with us for a while. Uh, join us next Monday when we cover The Man with the Golden Gun. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. I've been listening to this book, and I, 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 I texted you and Ginny today, and, mm-hmm. um, the cold open of this book is James Bond has been pro- kidnapped and programmed by the KGB and sent to try to assassinate M. And the whole reason he's put on this mission is because they've stopped him and they've deprogrammed him. And this is his, like, killing Scaramanga is his way back into MI6. And that has nothing to do with the movie I'm we're about to cover <laughs> this week. But, uh, but join us, because uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I do remember this being a really good one. Eddie, are you, are you available this Monday? or uh... Uh, I should be there. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. So I, I'll definitely be joining you for that. Um, yeah, if you're into wrestling, you can go ahead and check out the Just Too Sweet show with Tim and Eric. They cover on Tuesday nights. They cover uh, wrestling. Uh, you can also, if you're into baseball, you can check the Empire 161 show. With myself and Lisa Garcia, we talk about the New York Yankees. Or if you're into the Mets, check the put out check out the Put in the Book show with Falachi and Rodriguez and Keith, and they cover the New York Mets. Uh, on sportsmanlike conduct, I know they're toning down for a little bit since not a lot of football news going on. But if you're into football, check out on sportsmanlike conduct with Farachi and Tim. Um, if you're into anything that's just pretty much just a good old fun show, check out the A to Z show on Friday nights. Where Eric covers, Eric and Tim cover everything from uh, angry like the Hulk to Zen like Doctor Strange. Nice, nice tie in. I like that. Thank you. Um, trying, trying to bring more of the comic stuff into these when I do it on this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then you could also go ahead and uh, Thursday nights, we also have a show, uh, Skyline Reviews. Uh, we'll check it out with Ashley. They go ahead and they cover anything that's Disney related, so you can go ahead and, and check that out. Uh, and for really like what you heard next week, come back around next Wednesday night for another episode of Granny's PhD. We'll be talking about the late, tonight's episode of The Flash that was on. Uh, we'll be talking about episode two of Moon Knight, and we will be talking about a brand new movie, Morbius. Sony Marvel's yeah. Morbius, which Jason and I will be seeing at tomorrow after a uh, late tomorrow afternoon yeah. so 
go ahead and check that out and hear our thoughts on that because we have no idea what the heck we're about to walk into. Yeah, no, and look, this this could be uh, – I'm trying to think. What, what's a good – so for me, best-case scenario, I'm thinking this could be Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and worst-case scenario, this could be Venom. I mean, I don't know. This this couldn't possibly be as bad as TASM, right, too? Let's <laughs> hope not. I mean, but Jesus, the high bar for you is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Jesus. I mean, what else, what, else is, what else did Sony do? I mean, I don't know. I'm hoping it's going to be better than that because we hated that movie. Look, I, I know. Hey, I, I mildly. No, we didn't dis- hate that movie. We I mildly it. disliked that movie. There was some fun stuff in it. But um, no, I'm, I was just trying to think of the best thing I could think they did. And. I can't. I can't say that they did No Way Home. They lent licensing licensing material to No Way Home. Well, recently, Sony's live action stuff. It's been a while. As Bear pointed out earlier in the week, Sony's live action stuff. Yeah, that's only been Sony related. So okay. the Tom Holland Spider Man era does not count. Is probably Spider Man Two from Sam Raimi. Oh, okay. So then, then all right. Then I amend my statement. Let's hope this goes to the heights of Spider Man Two. Yeah, because, I mean, the last recent thing we really liked was uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but that is animated. That's animated, so it's, so a, it's the same a different thing, yeah. But, dude, we got to have a lot of our questions answered, for God's sakes. Yes, we have so yes, many questions do. about this, so we have to, I, hopefully, next week we'll I, come back and we can answer them. Yes, I want to know about the Vulture. I want to know about who the hell Spider-Man murdered. I, I There's a lot I want to know that doesn't really have much to do with the character of Morbius, but... Still, I need to know these things. Well, listen, I think Morbius looks cool. Like, Jared Leto looks cool. Jared Leto's a talented actor. Yes, Jared Leto did not the best Joker. But we'll see. We'll give him a mulligan on that. It was a choice. Look, I always always said this about his Joker. It was a choice. It was not a choice that I liked. It was not a choice that I think worked in any way. But it was a choice that was not what we had gotten before so you know kudos for trying something uh let's let's move on <laughs> so best of that come back next week check us out and we'll hopefully we'll have some good things to say and if we don't we'll still have fun with it anyway so um all right everyone have a good weekend see you next week peace oh great the idiot's back <laughs>